Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Black Shirt Breakdown. My name is Steve Marek. I'm a staff writer inside Nebraska, and that is Jay Foreman, our eight-year NFL veteran and former Nebraska Black Shirt. Uh, Jay, we got kind of a, a curveball episode this week, <laughs> I guess. We, we will not be diving into uh, the Iowa, the win over the Iowa Hawkeyes, 24-17. Um, but instead, we have kind of bigger news uh, kind of holistically about the direction of the program with the hire of Matt Rule. Um, as the next head coach of the Nebraska football program. So, Jay, uh, first of all, what do you uh, what do you think of the hire? And uh, maybe a quick thought on the Hawkeye win, too, maybe. Yeah, it's odd. You know, every week we were, we were wishing to start it off that we're, we're having, uh, you know, a talk <laughs> about Nebraska win. Oh, oh, Nebraska win. And they finally win. And, you know, we got a new head coach. And so that's what's kind of been always been on the background. But, you know, as far as just a little uh, – you know, thoughts on the game with Iowa. I think it's a great victory. I think the guys fought hard for Mickey. They fought hard for themselves. And uh, it's amazing what effort and uh, continuous effort uh, will do. It'll it forced a team like Iowa to make a ton of mistakes. They weren't used to Nebraska bringing it. I think they may have looked over overlooked Nebraska. Um, and, you know, I've always said that this is a year to beat Iowa. This is it, you know, and Wisconsin. So, you know, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to uh, get yourself up off the mat one more time when, you know, you don't have anything realistically to play for. And, you know, um, you know, it goes without saying the job that Mickey Joseph has done um, in the short term, you know, being an interim coach. So, you know, it's a good victory for Nebraska. It's always good for uh, the whole program as a whole to end on a victory. Uh, gives that good feeling going into the offseason, regardless. Obviously, now that we have a new head coach. Um it's still a good, it's a it's a good place to be you know beating Iowa and uh, ruining their chances of going to the Big Ten championship. One hundred percent. So yeah, let's get into Matt Rule. So everybody's kind of talking about this. Jay, first of all, what are what are your um, overall thoughts on the hire? First, before we get into maybe kind of what his potentially what his offense and defense might look like at Nebraska. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I mean, I was a little surprised, but not surprised. I think his name had kind of been out there ever since you know, he got fired in Carolina and whether that was just, you know, people just doing it just because he had had success, you know, in college and people just assumed that he would be up for any college job um, uh, because he's built two programs in Temple and uh, a rebuilt programs at Temple and, and Baylor under uh, unique circumstances. So there might be some correlation to possibly having success here in Nebraska. Um, I know he's a Penn State guy and I think he walked on at Penn State and, uh, you know, made something out of him himself so you know my initial thoughts of you know I know he's a good football coach I know that uh I mean you can't you can't deny that and um I don't really get I, you know as, the record you know you can get into it or not but you know when you're you know if you take away those first years he has a pretty successful record and also have to be realistic like Nebraska is not in the position right now um with our recent success to go get a Nick Save and an Urban Meyer I mean they're already on the back ends of their career they're looking for a more easy type of uh situations and so um, you know, my initial thought was I, you know, he's a football coach. Um, and he's a and he's a good football coach. And for so for him to be a good football coach, he's probably been able to do everything that we haven't been able to do in recent, you know, in recent eight years. Uh put together a good staff, develop and recruit uh recruit and develop players, um, both in state and out of state. Um probably have an identity that's very clear. I mean, I'm assuming very early in the process, I'm sure. He'll talk about that at the press conference. And so you'll have a clear idea. And I think, you you know, when you see it, when you see what he, or when you hear what he says, you'll see it very clearly and what he would, what, what they're doing. And so, um, 
you know, on that, you know, I think everything as far as like coaching and stuff is is, is going to be good. I think the biggest thing with him um, since he was a college coach is that the dynamics of college football has changed. And so now you're dealing with almost a semi-pro athlete. So now, you know, relationships are huge. There's so much more more paramount than when he was a head coach at Baylor. Now you had to, in order for him to have success at Baylor, he had to have relationships with the players and, and be able to be on a level to where he can motivate them, hold them accountable, so forth and so on. But now with NIL, where guys are able to compensate or get compensated and some, you know, whatever you want to dice it up as, now you're dealing with semi-pro athletes, not making $10 million as, you know, some of the pro athletes that he had to coach, you know, in Carolina, but you're dealing with guys that might be making upwards of $100,000, $200,000 in NIL deals um, a year. So you have to make sure that, you're, you're treating them on a more of a level of respect versus I'm the head coach and you're on scholarship and I can control your, your destiny. Not that they, he was at, like that before, but that's how college coaches really struggled going from college to the NFL because you, you don't control these NFL players. And, and so uh, relationships are going to be huge. And um, he knows, I think he knows more than ever being an NFL coach, it's a relationship business. And I think he's, you know, if he's, you know, use it as a, a positive uh, if you ever if there ever is a positive of getting fired is learn from it and um, and then you know take whatever positive and negatives and use it all as positive as is in his next coaching job which is here in Nebraska and I think he'll do well I think it's going to just be come down to uh, relationships and fit you know his football acumen I think is second to none or you know you feel you feel more than comfortable with that um, you know I think he has the the longevity and ability to put together a good staff. Um, so I'm not really worried about that. Um, it is going to come down to fit in, in, um, you know, hopefully his time at Penn state and his ties to Penn state and understanding how Penn state works will help him understand and be welcoming, truly welcoming to how it is there at Nebraska. And if he does that, you know, he'll be more than successful. And I think Matt Rule showed um, kind of a, a savviness, a coaching savviness, especially when he took that Baylor job, because he had never coached in the state of Texas at all before he got that job. When right. he got that job, he did an excellent job, in my opinion, of hiring Texas high school football coaches on his staff. And those guys have went on to um, advance their careers, especially Joey McGuire. He has Texas Tech. He's in the first year as a head coach at Texas Tech right now, has them going to a bowl game. Um, but just him, Matt Rule, hiring those th those three assistant coaches um, from the Texas high school football ranks just shows, you know, that he was serious about kind of getting into the culture and getting into the state of Texas and and getting his name out there and creating relationships, like you said, Jay. And so I'm really interested in in how um, Matt's going to uh, coach rule is going to do that in Nebraska. And I would assume he's got a pretty good head start right now and and maybe just um, with Mickey Joseph and trying to find out what he wants to do with Mickey Joseph because everybody knows Mickey here. Every everybody likes uh, Mickey here, and and obviously the recruiting standpoint, the coaching standpoint, he's one of the best um, assistants in the in the country. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it comes down to. I mean, you got to have superior confidence in yourself to be to have the wherewithal and ability to hire somebody that's really good at their job, and that's Mickey Joseph. You can't be threatened by that. Um, you know, Mickey's a Nebraska guy. He's going to do the right thing. He has brothers in the profession in both college at big, you know, as a cousin at, at, at University of Texas. His other brother is a defense coordinator in the NFL. Mickey's been in, in and around any type of situation as far as college football goes. 
and he's going to do what's right by Nebraska. And, and Mickey's going to do his job. Mickey be coaching in Alaska. He's going to recruit and he's going to develop and he's going to do what's right for the team. And so um, that, that, that should be priority number one for him to, to find a way to make that work or hopefully make a way, you know, find a way to make that work and, you know, take the same approach that he did at Baylor. This guy is going to help you, you know, hit the ground running and be along with what you want to do. And uh, I think uh, Matt Rule, you know, being in the coaching profession and knowing, you know, I don't think he has the attitude of, I'm Matt Rule. Well, hopefully he doesn't have the attitude of, I'm Matt Rule, whatever I say goes, and I don't want to listen to anybody. We've seen that not work. Um, I don't think some of the personality issues that you had before will will ring true with Matt Rule. Um, I just don't, and I don't know for sure, but I just I just think he's more of a mature guy and just, you know, a little bit farther along the process and been through some ins and outs. And you know what, he's had to, he's had to grind his way out, out there. He never was handed a job. I'm sure when he got done coaching at or playing at Penn state, he didn't, or whenever he got done, he didn't have a job already lined up for him. He had to go and beat the path. So he has that in him and, and I don't think he's ever lost it. So the, it, it's a totally different uh, dynamic with a guy that has a unique personality or could be perceived to have a unique personality coming here. Um, as long as he, you know, tries to, you know, do right by making a couple other guys on the staff, I think he'll do well. And I think he knows that uh, in, hopefully he puts forth a good for a good foot in uh, trying to do so because having the ability to recruit in and around Nebraska and Louisiana and there's coaches with Texas ties and there's coaches with Georgia ties mm-hmm. will allow him not to have that year where you go one and 11. I mean, we just won four games with an interim coach. Mm-hmm. So you're coming in and, and, and the culture has changed for the better. Um, and so that's where I think he, you know, he could do, do himself a, a really good uh, service of, of, of uh, addressing those things and adding those to it and then uh, getting in line and roll with it. Yeah. And those other assistants, um, popular, popular choices, I guess, to stick on the staff along with Mickey, Brian Applewhite, Bill Bush, and then maybe even Sean Becton, we know he's huge in Georgia and Florida. That's really important. So Jay, uh, I know it's really hard to get into this right now because there have not been uh, assistant hires right now, especially with the OC and the DC. But when you look at Matt rules past, in college, um, especially at Baylor, what what might Nebraska's offense or what what did what did Matt Rule um, like to do offensively and defensively? Uh, well, first offensively, you know, it was a, you know it, it was curtailed to his you know his personnel, yep. right? Um, so even when he was at Temple, they were they were a physical team. They were an exciting team. They were physical on defense. They competed on offense and defense from a physicality standpoint. That's what really, really, I think, allowed them to separate themselves at that time from other teams in in their conference. And so they ran a lot more RPO, but they had P.J. Walker, who was obviously an RPO threat. They had a decent running game, an explosive passing game. But the line play was good on both sides of the ball um, and fundamentally sound and stuff like that. So that's what you're going to expect. And then we went to Baylor. He came in, I think, after our brows. He told him, I said, look, man, you know, that, that stuff is over. We're going to still pass the ball, but we're going to be do it from a – we're going to be physical from the get-go. And that's what he did. I think Baylor had two running backs that were pretty good. One, I think, got drafted. Um, and the quarterback was more of an RPO threat, but they were explosive along in the, in the pass game and had a pretty good route tree. They didn't have their, – their RPO isn't trying to fool you. Their RPO is going to beat you, and then they're going to run – pro style route so you saw receivers there get you know get drafted or get looks at the nfl 
even after he left. And then, and then, and so I think right there where people think, okay, well, you know, he ran RPO, that's not Michigan, but you can get to it if you make a, a conscious effort to it. Look, he's a defensive lineman, I think, by, by trade. Okay, so he's going to know what the trenches are like, you know, and for him to walk on and earn playing time at Penn State, he knows the importance of, of offense and defensive line. Uh, that's one thing I know he knows. And that's what he did at both schools to, to you know, regain or to gain an edge and to let and lessen his disadvantage as far as facing teams that had a better athletes. And so um, I think their offensive line is going to, you know, um, be well coached. I think that he's going to start there and, you know, it's not going to be overnight. Um, I think you're going to see a physical, physical approach to it in the, in the RPO type of game and, and it's difference. And so if I could give you an example of the Urban Meyer spread RPO offense versus say Oregon spread RPO offense, that's the difference. I think he more teeters towards the Urban Meyer physical type of stuff. If you want a realistic view to look at maybe like a Utah that's about to play USC next week yeah. in the Pac-12 championship. So right there, that gives you, you know, it should give you some excitement and also feel comfortable that he knows what it takes to win here. Um, I don't think he's coming to the Big Ten thinking that he's going to fool anybody. I don't think he's coming to the Big Ten thinking he's going to run an offense that nobody's ever seen before. I don't think he's coming to the Big Ten and think he's going to possibly out-recruit Ohio State and Michigan. What I think he's going to come in and do is build it from the you know from the lines and the, I call that the ground up offensive defensive line find guys that are football players develop develop them on and off the field and then you're going to see guys come in at one level and leave at another level and you're going to start to see the consistently it, consistency if everything goes right of guys not only being good players at Nebraska but then being, being a goal to the next level and be good good football players and and then flip to de defensive wise they ran, you know, they ran a different, they ran a four, four man front, which I, I'm a big believer in. Um, they had good linebacker play, good defensive, you know, back play. They were um, very, they were aggressive, but they were smart and they were, you know, a good, a, a good big 12 defense. Now playing defense in the big 12 is a little different than in the big 10. So that'll be where I'll see the adjustment. But I think the four man front and building within the off or offense and defensive lines is going to give him advantage to do some of the things that were successful at Baylor. But I'll also say this, and I know, you know, you can't reference success in the NFL or what happened in the NFL versus college, but even when Carolina was struggling on offense, their defense kept them in the game. And he'll tell you that. So that's also something that you could gain confidence of that he knows that, look, we got to play some defense, you know, to keep us going when we're, you know, not playing well on offense. And so, I think he'll 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 adapt to his personnel and adapt to who he's playing against, and I and I think that uh, you know it'll just come down to personality and fit. And if that works out, then I think that the the tenure would be successful. And uh, as far as football coaching, uh, that dude's a football coach. And one last one before we get out of here, the quarterback. So when you talk about run pass option offense, it's obviously heavily geared toward the quarterback and making quick decisions and being confident in his reads and his um, decisions back there. Casey Thompson is his status right now is up in the air. He's got a lot going on. Um, the injury history that he had, yeah. um, he 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 mentioned that he'll he'll like to talk to the next head coach after the Iowa game, um, and and so I'm sure they'll be uh, he'll be talking with Matt Rule here soon. But when you look at Casey Thompson, he'll be a sixth year guy next year if he does come back. Do you do you see him as as a good fit with kind of an RPO RPO based offense? 
Yeah, you know, I think Casey got a bad rap where they think people didn't think he could run. You know, Casey's a good athlete. You know, his dad was a phenomenal runner. And so Casey can throw the ball as well. Um, I think he fits well in this offense. I think, uh, you know, if you look at P.J. Walker, P.J. Walker's probably a little bit more elusive. But if you look at uh, his quarterback at Baylor and, say, Sam Darnold and stuff like that, I think it's not going to be exclusively RPO. But Casey's a good decision maker. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Matt Rule will come in and demand better play from the offensive line. He'll go out and, I'm assuming, recruit other offensive line players and and so forth and so on this is even if he keeps coach Rayola uh, which I think you know probably deserves a you know a chance at having a, a decent roster of players but that's another uh that's another black shirt breakdown but uh I think Casey fits in I think he, look I think he probably knows about Casey you know from being at Baylor or you know obviously when he was leaving he probably knew about Casey yep. Casey's been successful he knows having a good quarterback that has unique leadership ability that's a tough kid is a great way to start your program and year one knowing that Casey has one more year year left would be a great starting point for him it's not three or four years you know where you can't you know you can maybe scare off other quarterbacks it's bring you could bring in other quarterbacks Casey can show them a way show them in a way or immediately get them to emulate him how he works how he deals with the media how he's coachable because you can coach him talk tough so I think it's a good match, but, you know, it's going to come down to what Matt Rule wants. He's the head coach, but, you know, if I voted, I definitely would like Casey to be back because I think another year in Nebraska with Matt Rule uh, and whoever his offensive coordinator will will serve him well. His pro experience helps Casey out if he has aspirations to go to the next level. Mm -hmm. Casey helps Matt Rule out uh, as well. So, you know, I think it's one of those things that could definitely be, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, good, good match. And so, you know, if I had to rank them, Mickey Joseph, number one, uh, Casey Thompson, uh, one B. Uh, and if you get Mickey Joseph and you get Casey Thompson, you are way ahead of the, the any other new coach in their regime across the nation as far as being somewhat successful in this first year in building a program. They're both built program builders in, in their aspect of what they're at. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And that's going to be as much as, uh, you know, who he hires on the staff is as much as who he keeps around. Uh, will be plenty of, uh, I'm assuming, black shirt breakdowns or quick snippets or, or Twitter uh, conversations that we're going to have here for the next two or three two or three months. So we're about to be pretty busy. Oh, yeah, it's going to heat up here quick. But uh, yeah, I, I love what you said about, um, obviously, Mickey Joseph, that's a, that's a given, in my opinion. It's obvious that he needs to be on this staff. Um, but with Casey Thompson, if you can if you can swing it to get a six year guy coming back, that's basically another assistant coach playing quarterback for you. Right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I I think that's that should be a top priority, like you said. But yeah, oh man. So yeah, it is starting right now. I I'm excited for this. The uh, uh, press conference will be Monday at 1:30. Stick to Inside Nebraska. Dot uh, Rivals. Com. We will we will have all the coverage there, and we'll have plenty more black shirt breakdowns with Jay here. Um, Jay, any any last final thoughts before we get out of here? Well, I mean, look, everybody's uh. Waiting for tomorrow, the press conference, and uh, should be excitement. You know, support the program. Um, you know, you know, just like you'd support it if if Mickey was a head coach. And uh, you know, new regime is good, and so let's let's see where it goes. And uh, always go big red. For sure. All right, for Jay Foreman, I am Steve Mark, and that was a black shirt breakdown. We'll see you next time.